but um, so my name's Amy King, um, as Eric had shared, and um, also he had shared that I've been a part of K2 since the very, very beginning, since Dave Nelson said, hey, what do you think about planting a church in Salt Lake City? <laughs> and I said, sign me up. No, actually I didn't. <laughs> but eventually, eventually I did sign, sign up. And um, God captured my heart for the orphan really as a little girl, um, but really didn't start really nurturing it and growing it until about 2005. And it's a long story. And if you want to hear it, I would love to share it with you. So if you want to go out to coffee or or you can take me out for coffee <laughs> and I can share you, with you the story. But um, I'm just really excited to be here today and sharing because as Eric said, it is Orphan Sunday. And Orphan Sunday isn't just something that we do here at K2. This is actually a global movement that is happening um, worldwide right now. Thousands of churches today um, are celebrating this day in some way. Every church in the state, in the United States, is there's a, at least one church that's doing something, and there's something happening in at least 84 countries, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So we are not alone today um, in what we're doing. And I want to just spend a few minutes um, just talking about why it is that we, as believers, if you are here today and you uh, profess the name of Jesus Christ, why is it, as believers, that we care for orphans? But before I do that, I think it's probably a good idea to just even talk about what is an orphan, because I'm sure you hear the word, you heard even today is Orphan Sunday, and immediately something pops into your mind about an orphan, right? And probably for a lot of us, maybe the first thing that pops into our mind is the kid that's over in Africa, and they've lost both parents, and they're living in an orphanage, or maybe what you know about orphans is that you know somebody, your neighbor, a coworker, somebody in your family, the person you're sitting next to, and they've adopted a child from another country, maybe from China or Guatemala. And those kids, they are orphans. But what is really interesting to me is that UNICEF, which is the organization that every year they actually count the number of orphans there are and they put out these statistics. But UNICEF, actually doesn't even include kids that are in those two scenarios. UNICEF's definition of an orphan is a child that has lost one parent due to death or both parents, but they're still living in type, some type of a family situation. So they're living with, um, if, if they've lost one parent, then they're most likely still living with their other parent. Or if they've lost both parents, um, then they're living with an aunt or a grandma or maybe just um, a friend of the family. So what the statistics that uh, UNICEF puts out does not include are the about two to eight million kids who are actually living in institutions, who are living in orphanages. Their stat does not include kids who are living on the streets, kids who are being exploited in child labor, and kids who are being trafficked. And I'm not really sure why UNICEF doesn't include the kids that are in orphanages, um, but I'm assuming that they don't include the kids who are living on the streets or being trafficked or exploited because it's just pretty much impossible to count those, those number of kids. So, um, so UNICEF last year, their report came out and they reported that there are 140 million children who have lost one or both parents. And that's globally. 
out of those, out of those 140 million, 18.1 million of those have lost both parents. It's pretty crazy. But I think today, as we are here, um, we know what UNICEF says is the orphan and who the orphan is, but I think it's really important that we take a look at what the biblical definition of an orphan is. And all throughout scripture, God talks about the orphan in some way. There's over 40 different verses. And just a side note, if God talks about something at least 40 times in scripture, it's probably something that's kind of important. <laughs> so the biblical definition of an orphan is a child who faces the world without provision, protection, or nurture that parents uniquely provide. And no statistical analysis done by UNICEF or any other organization is gonna be able to accurately capture and give an estimate of the number of kids that are in that type of a situation. So again, when you think of orphan, we often think of the kid overseas. But who are our orphans? I get that question a lot. So do we have orphans in the United States? Do we have orphanages? So we have orphans, and our orphanages are called foster care, foster homes. So a kid is removed from their home um, because of no fault of their own. They're removed because of abuse or neglect. And right now, um, in the United States, there's almost a half a million kids that fall into that category. And in the state of Utah, we have about 3,000 kids in that category. So at any one time, there's about 3,000 kids who are in foster care. Now, the primary goal of foster care is first to bring the child into a home that's safe. But then the second goal is that they want to help the child to be able to be reunited with their family and get back home. And for the majority of kids, that does happen, which is awesome. But it doesn't happen for all of those kids. And when it can't happen, the state will terminate the parents' rights. And then those kids are legally free for adoption. Um, a lot of times, the homes that they were in will go ahead and adopt them. But a lot of times, that doesn't happen. And so, again, those kids are now legally free for adoption. They are orphans. They are wards of the state. And right now in the United States, we have about 100,000 kids that are waiting to be adopted. And in our state, in our backyard, we have about 250 kids that are waiting for homes. So now that we have a little bit of better understanding of what an orphan is, whether we want to grasp onto UNICEF's idea or the biblical idea, um, I just want to talk a little bit about why, again, as people who follow Jesus, why are we supposed to care for orphans? Because a lot of people care for orphans, right? A lot of people adopt that, who have no faith at all. You know, we hear all the stories about celebrities who adopted a gazillion kids, and we hear stories about people who go on humanitarian trips. And I don't know what all their reasons are. I'm sure there's many why people who have no faith engage in those types of activities. But why do we, as followers, as the body of Christ, care for orphans? And I think there's two main reasons. And the first one um, is a little complex, and so I might have to repeat it a couple times. You might want to write it down. 
but it's this. We care for orphans because God said so. Again, we care for orphans because God said so. Again, there's over 40 verses in the Bible that talk about caring for orphans. And that's the great thing about this is that you don't have to comb through Scripture and do cross-references and look up words in the Hebrew and Greek to try to make a biblical case for if we are supposed to care for orphans. It's right there. Jesus says so. One of those verses um, I just want to share with you guys, Psalm 68.5, it says, and it's going to come up on your screen, it says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy place. So God, all throughout scripture, we learn that he has a lot of different names and a lot of different titles. And so here we learn that one of his titles is that I'm a father to the fatherless. I take care of orphans. And then we jump over to Ephesians. Um, and we read this. And I'm going to read it to you in the message because I just, I love it. It says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love us. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything himself to us. Love like that. And so, yeah, there's 40 verses, but all we have to do is look at these two verses, and we learn that one, God's a father to the fatherless. He cares for orphans. And then second, in Ephesians, we learn we're supposed to do what God does. So I'm sure that those of you who are parents that are out there have um, used the phrase, because I said so, more than one time in your parenting career, right? Yes, because I said so. So I was the kid who was always, but why? But why? And so I, I, I remember my mom saying to me, um, there, there's no other reason why than because I said so. And I really didn't like that. <laughs> but it's interesting because when I think about it, I think, you know what? There's really no other reason that we need as believers to care for orphans other than because God said so. I could just walk off the stage right now and, and, and we would be good. But I do believe that there is another reason that I want to share with you guys. And it's this. We care for orphans because the message of the gospel what Jesus has done for us is so compelling that we can't help but do anything else. I'm going to say that again. We care for orphans because the message of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, is so compelling that we can't help but do anything else. You see, caring for children who are fatherless and helpless and voiceless and without protection is a direct overflow that comes from truly knowing and understanding deep down what God has done for us. Because we too were once fatherless and voiceless and without protection or hope for any type of a future, whether it was in this world or the next. I just want you to take a second and think about if you're, if you're here today and you believe in Jesus, what would your life be like had he not found you? Had he not pursued you? 
And by the way, he's the one that finds you and pursues you, right? Like we like to say, when I found Jesus, actually he finds us. We have nothing to do do with it and he pursues us. What would your life be like? Would you be married to the person that you're married to? Would you have the kids that you have? Would you have a sense of peace even though we live in a super messed up world? Would you live with the knowledge that this world is not all there is and that someday your father is going to come and he's going to take you home? My guess is no. What if Dana's final foster family had not loved her and pursued her in a way that all the other foster families had failed to do so? What if they, when she came home drunk, said, that's done, I'm going to call social services, and you need to get out of our home? What would have happened? She says it in the video, right? She says, um, she says I never probably would have graduated from high school, and I kind of just envisioned myself as, as being homeless. And so had God not pursued us, we essentially would be homeless with no future or hope. You guys, there are half a million Danas in this world right now. There are 300, I'm sorry, 3,000 Danas in our own backyard. And while this number can seem huge, we have got to stop saying, but the need is so overwhelming. And start saying, but the gospel is so compelling that I have to do something. So what is your something going to be? Some of you guys are actually going to bring kids into your home. You don't know it right now, but some of you guys are going to become foster parents, and some of you guys are going to adopt. But that's not everybody, right? And we actually, the great thing is we actually don't need everybody to foster or adopt, contrary to like the message that's out there. I mean, the message seems like there's so many kids, it's so overwhelming, we don't have enough people. You guys, there are 2.8 billion Christians in this world. We have more than enough to provide for orphans. As Dana said, there are so many ways that you can be evolved without bringing a kid into your home. You can be a mentor for a child who's getting ready to age out of the system, was not adopted, and now they have nobody. You can go on one of our trips to Swaziland or to Honduras, or if you can't go on one of the trips, you can sponsor one of the kids that are over there. There's working at Royal Family Kids Camp, who is another one of our Levolution partners. It's a camp for kids in foster care. And if any of these interests you, um, come talk to me, and I can help you navigate what area it is that you could be involved in. But what I want to kind of end our service with today is just sharing with you what it is that we here at K2 are feeling called to do as a church. And that's, we feel called to support adoptive and foster families, to be a support system for them. Because adoption and foster care is really hard. It's really hard. But God asks us to do hard things, right? So what's new? (laughs) Um, But 
honestly, you guys, the reality is that half of all foster parents quit after one year of their first placement. And I'm sure there's a ton of reasons why, but I have to believe that it's because they didn't have a lot of support. It's just overwhelming. And so we have started, are starting, have already started, <laughs> these care communities. And I just want to take you through a little bit about what these care communities look like. And there's going to be a little graphic that's going to come up on stage. And a care community is essentially a group of six to eight people who are going to come around and support an adoptive or a foster family for at least, for about a year. And there are several roles that you can play on this and kind of be listening and seeing maybe this is something that I could do. So the first thing is to be a family helper. And that's just being available to the family one to two times a month to do things like run errands or mow their lawn or go grocery shopping for them, um, bring a meal to them. It's really just supporting that family. And then the second thing that you can do is be a child mentor. And don't let that name kind of scare you. It doesn't mean like you have to have some great wisdom to impart into a child. It really just means that you're actually going to have interaction with the kids. And so it might mean that you're going to pick them up from school um, or you're going to be willing to pick them up and take them to the appointment because these kids have lots of appointments that they have to go to. Or maybe you just go and pick them up on a Saturday for a few hours and take them out for ice cream into the park. So mom and dad can maybe have some much-needed time with their bio kids because maybe their bio kids are feeling a little left out in this whole process. And then the third thing that you can do um, is to be the team leader. And that's basically what it sounds like. You are kind of in charge of this team, and you communicate weekly um, with the foster family, kind of get updates and prayer requests, and then you communicate that out to the team. And then the fourth one you do see up there is called interim caregiver, and we would actually call it respite care, and that's where it's actually overnight care for the child, or maybe a whole weekend, and that's something that we're actually still kind of working on and developing in terms of rules and regulations with the state. So um, the great thing is we actually, if you were here back on Mother's Day this past year, we actually shared about this, that we were gonna be starting these, and um, we were out in the lobby and told people, hey, come out and sign up if you would be interested in being a part of a care community. And so we had some people come out, and it was great. We actually trained our first group, our first care community, over the summer. And we officially launched the group in the fall. And then the really awesome thing was that that same day on Mother's Day, there was a couple um, that goes to K2, and they came out to our table, and they said, hey, just wanted to let you guys know, we just finished up our foster care classes and are getting licensed to become foster parents. And we were like, awesome. Do you want to be our guinea pig for our first group? And they were like, yes, we, we would love to do that. So I actually want to bring up our guinea pig couple. That's not a, that's not a nice way to describe you guys. <laughs> I want to bring up Jenna and Chris Anderson. Yeah, you can go ahead and clap for them. And um, Jenna and Chris, um, we had talked a little bit um, when after you had come up and, and shared with us, and you had said kind of your story was not a big monumental one, but just the fact that after you had your last child, you have three kids, and after you had your last child that um, you felt like, hey, I think we're done birthing kids, but maybe there are still some, some kids out there who belong in our home. And you kind of looked into adoption, but nothing was kind of 
gelling or seeming quite right, but then foster care just kind of kept coming up over and over again. And that's kind of usually what happens with this kind of stuff, like just rant, what feels like random things will just kind of keep popping up. So it was popping up, but it took you about a year to actually kind of pull the trigger um, on doing that. So can you just share with us kind of in that year when you were kind of going back and forth, what were the things that were kind of, um, that kind of hesitated on in terms of stepping out and actually doing this? Uh, yeah, so like the obvious things, time, um, we have three kids of our own, we're busy like everyone, um, so just wrapping our heads around adding not just another kid, but another kid that will maybe need some more needs um, and how this would affect our three kids and the whole process. But over the year, it, we just came to realize that it's going to be hard and that's okay. That's just how it is and it's good and these kids need us. So, yeah. yeah. So how did, um, so, you fin so you did your classes and then you were here at K2 and you found out about this community group and you agreed to come on. And so how did even just knowing that when you, go, when you wa walked into this, that now you were gonna have a group of people around you. How did, how did that kind of feel or change even some of the worries that you had? Yeah, part of it that was cool was, like Amy said, was the timing. And we'd been sort of trying to figure this out, um, how this would work and how this would look in our family and things like that. And then we came to that service and we were like, well, okay, God, this is your timing, it's perfect. Here we go. Um, and it was awesome because We've also, we have three kids. We've experienced uh, raising our oldest child in a um, far off land called Wisconsin. <laughs> and uh, we were alone. We essentially, it was Jenna and I and our, our six month old, we had no one around us. So we, we kind of understand how it is to raise a child on your own. And um, since then with our other kids, we've had more of a church community built around them and also uh, a family and, and things. And just seeing that difference of how a community can really not only support us as the parents, but also the child. And, um, and it, it was just really comforting to know that that, that was gonna be built around us and, and to support not only us, but this little boy that's living with us now. Yeah, so, so kind of the story kind of unfolded. You finished your classes and you got your license and then you kind of wait for a call. And you never know how long you're gonna wait. I mean, sometimes you get your license and you get a call two hours later. And then sometimes you get a call two weeks later. And it was a little bit later for you guys, but it was about four weeks ago, and you got a call for a little boy who's been in your home now for just about four weeks. So what does those last four weeks look like in terms of what's been added to your plate? How, what, what, does life look like, what does life look like now with, with adding this child? Um, just lots of busyness. No, it's good. Uh, the, so we have supervised visits weekly, one with mom, one with dad. We have caseworkers coming to our house to visit the child, um, his lawyer coming over, doctor's appointments, and then just life with our three kids, the normal stuff. So um, it's a lot, but it's also been amazing for our family, and we've just been blessed this last month. So. That's awesome. So your, your life kind of gets turned upside down a little bit. <laughs> so in these past four weeks, like I said, it has just been sh a short amount of time. But how has, been, how has the care community been able to, to serve you? 
Uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. We didn't really know what to expect, um, and so having sort of the the team leader really ask us what our needs might be. Um, one of them is I work sort of odd hours, and happens to be that every Tuesday night I'm not able to have dinner with my family. So. Uh, one of the things that they stepped up and uh, provided for us was a knock on the door and a dinner delivered every Tuesday, which is, I think, really nice. Take a little bit off of Jenna's plate there and, and also offer me some reassurance at work that someone else is looking out for my family um, at home. And um, I think simple things like food, is it seems small, but uh, it's an amazing way to love someone through serving them and bringing them food. And, um, Jen and I wanted to both be uh, at a, the first team meeting, which is a group of all the caseworkers and everyone who's involved um, with the foster child and case. And we were able to do that without kids because one of our um, one of our group members was able to come over and not only be with our foster child but also our other three kids. And and uh, it was nice to not have to scramble to find that because they were there for us. Um, and things like that, time, food, but also. Um, our team leader has been through this before, fostered and adopted and knows the ropes and it's been nice to have someone we know we can text or call at any time and ask questions if this is normal or what we should be doing and just have that uh, support that's always there. That's great. So what would you say to anybody who's sitting out here today and they're maybe thinking about becoming a foster parent or thinking about, hey, I could maybe be on a, on a care community, what do you say to them? Do it. <laughs> Do it, yeah. <laughs> Other than that. Uh, I would just kind of go back to the idea that God's timing is perfect, right? It might not be today. Um, it might not be in a year, but uh, being open to what God has planned for you. And, and like Amy said and like Jenna said, it's, it's not something to go in and think that this is going to be real easy and all fun. But that's not the point, right? The point is, is that there's these kids that, that need our love and um, this idea of... Uh, you know, even our small group at K2 has come around us and rallied and really even offered up sort of words of encouragement and advice. And one of the terms that um, one of our group leaders offered up was being a suffering servant. Hmm. Uh, and that's, that's what Jesus was. That was his life. And if we look at that, it's not about being comfortable or trying to achieve comfort. It's about being a suffering servant. And whether that means that you make a little bit extra food on a Tuesday night and bring it over to us or you're available for yeah. childcare or driving kids to and from things. Um, it's all about loving that kid. And sometimes that's just loving them through us. Awesome. Thank you guys for coming up and being willing to share. Yeah, you can clap for them. So um, you'll notice that you have a little um, card in your program. The top of it says foster love. And if that is something that um, you would be interested, if you would be, you, and, and the other thing is, is you can actually serve in as many roles as you as those you want. You don't have to just pick one, pick just one. So, if you have a lot of capacity and room in your life, you can serve on as many as you can. But um, you can go ahead and check that off on this card. And we're actually going to be to be doing our next training um, to train uh, care communities um, the first Saturday of December. I think it's December fourth. So um, check that off and let us know if you're interested. There's also a couple other things on the card. Um, if you're interested in taking, if, if you're interested in exploring more about what I've talked about today, I'm gonna be teaching a class starting in probably January called Orphan Care 101. And we're gonna spend about four weeks just diving deeper into this stuff. And so if you're even sitting here today and you're like, 
yeah, I want to be involved, but I just don't really know how. And this would be just be a great place to come and explore that with other people. Um, the other thing is, if you're interested in becoming a foster parent, you can let us know, and we can get you information. You can check the box. Um, if you check the box, it doesn't mean that you're signing up today to be a foster parent. Okay, we're not going to hand you a kid on the way out the door. <laughs> Although that actually sounds like a great idea. But anyways, um, we're not going to do that. Um, and then also the last thing is, is if you're sitting out there and, you've, and you're like, I fostered before, or I'm fostering right now, or I've, I've adopted, and we don't know that, like I, I've never met you, or you've never met Eric, or we've never dialogued about that, we would just love to know who you are. So go ahead and check that off. And you can drop this card in the offering when it goes by later, or if you have time, um, we would love to actually meet you. And um, Eric, both Eric and myself are going to be out in a table in the lobby. And so you could just bring this card and hand it to us, and we would love to talk to you. So I'm just going to end really quick today. As, as Eric had mentioned, um, I lead um, a citywide ministry, so not just for K2. It's a citywide ministry called For the Orphan Network. And it's another long story about how God um, led me to start that. But remember, you can take me out for coffee. And, um, and I will be glad to share. But um, it's actually really interesting because um, God really used Orphan Sunday as a catalyst to actually pull the trigger and say, I'm going to start something. Because I had vaguely heard about Orphan Sunday. It's been going on for years. But um, in 2009, as God, during that time, as God was really working in my heart to, to start something. But at the same time, I was like really scared, like, me start something? I don't know. And, um, but it was interesting because I had found out that year, it was 2009, that that year um, there was a church, at least one church in every state of the U.S. that did something that day for Orphan Sunday, except for the state of Utah. And when I read that, my heart just sunk. And I just thought, okay, probably the mo not the most equipped person. I kind of feel like I have no idea, no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to step out and do this. And so I started for the Orphan Network. And I work with churches all throughout the valley, helping them figure out how is it that they as a church can serve the orphan. Let's figure out how do we make this a part of the DNA of who you are as a church. We also support adoptive and foster families through trainings. We've started um, a support group for moms that meets once a month down at the Rock Church. And we have so many other dreams and plans of, of things um, that we want to do. And honestly, one of my dreams, too, is that after we get these care communities kind of really up and running at K2 and get some kinks worked out, um, I want to be able to go to other churches that are in the valley and kind of teach this method. So that's a little bit, just a little snapshot of what um, I'm kind of doing um, through For the Orphan Network. And if you want more information on that, again, I would love to talk to you about that. So um, we're going to be ending our day with um, some musical worship and the band. You guys can go ahead and come on up if you want to. But um, as we close, I would just love to pray for us, love to pray for you, love to pray for me. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for coming and finding us, for searching us out in our deprivation, in our sin. We praise you and thank you for pursuing us. 
and then it actually adopting us as your children. And God, I pray for each person that's sitting here today, first of all, that you would just impress deeply on their hearts how dearly loved they are by you, that, you, that they are wanted and they are pursued by you. And then I also pray that in whatever way that you've been tugging on your, their heart today, or maybe you've been tugging on it for weeks or months or years in terms of caring for kids who are vulnerable, I just pray that you would use the next days and weeks to, to really solidify that, that they would open their ears to hear what you're saying. And then once they hear it, that they would have the courage, that you would give them the courage to say yes, to say that what you have done for me is so compelling that I absolutely have to do something in response. We thank you for loving us and for caring us, for caring for us more than we ever will be able to imagine or understand. We love you, Jesus. Amen.